Hey friends, and welcome to You Deserve to Love Your Job with me, Arlene Pace Green. My goal is to help you identify and achieve your greatest aspirations and have a lot of fun along the way. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey. Let's go. I am so excited to let you know that the You Deserve to Love Your Job book is available. It's in paperback and Kindle. I wrote the book for anyone who is looking for more purpose, more meaning, and more joy in your work and life. Filled with examples, quizzes, and experiences from real people, including me, and the book lays out a roadmap to help you clarify your purpose and create an action plan to achieve it. Go get it. It's available on Amazon. friends and welcome to the podcast. Today we have a great topic and two amazing guests. They're both dear friends of mine for over 30 years and we're also all friends together as well. Um, And today we dig into what it takes to create and maintain adult friendships. So let me introduce them to you. First we have Dr. Rosalind Pitts-Clark. Dr. Ros is a Georgia and Pennsylvania licensed psychologist, school certified psychologist, and the sole proprietor of Pitts Psychological Services where she specializes in childhood and adolescent diagnostic services. And she's amazing at that. I know this personally. In addition, Dr. Pitts-Clark works for the Atlanta public school system. And she's also a freelance diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and a fantastic speaker, where she consults with various corporate and educational organizations in an effort to help them meet the ever-changing needs of a diverse population. Dr. Pitts-Clark currently appears on Atlanta's ABC affiliate, WSB-TV, where she provides on-air insight regarding mental health, emotional wellness, relationships, parenting, race, racism, as well as career and school success. And my second guest is Natasha C. Palmer. Natasha is a graduate of Spelman College, where she obtained a Bachelor of Science in Political Science, and also a graduate of Radford University, where she obtained a Master's of Arts in Criminal Justice. Natasha began her career in law enforcement as a probation and parole officer for the Virginia Department of Corrections. After two years, she accepted an appointment as a United States probation officer for the Eastern District of Virginia, where she's currently employed as an assistant deputy chief U.S. probation officer. My girl's in charge, (laughs) y'all. And she will soon assume a new role, deputy chief U.S. probation office type two. Congratulations, Natasha. Her proudest professional accomplishment is serving as a national faculty coach for the Federal Judicial Center's new supervisor development program. She loves that program. She invests a lot of her time and herself into the development of others. And Natasha is also a 25-year member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She's worked on numerous committees and served as second vice president, first vice president, and president of her local chapter, which is the Newport News Alumni Chapter, and has also served in leadership roles for the South Atlantic region. So you are going to love this conversation. I share some stats and research about adult friendships, and then we really get into what does it really take to make and maintain adult friendships and how we can all go about creating meaningful relationships over the course of our life. So thank you all for joining and enjoy. What's up, friends, and welcome to today's episode I am excited to have two of my best friends here today, and we're going to talk about what many people feel is a really challenging area in the world of adulting, which is creating and maintaining friendships as an adult. So I appreciate you both being here. I should commend you on your bravery, Um, (laughs) given we've been friends for 30 years. um, 
anything could be said in this conversation. So I commend you on that. We probably should have created some ground rules around what's off limits. Let's, I think yeah, suffice it to good. say any past relationship is off, <laughs> is off limits. Um, perhaps anything before 2000. <laughs> oh, wait, we don't have anything to talk about. Anything <laughs> all you got married. Yes, pretty much any, anything before 2000 is pretty much off limits. Um, but yeah, so thank you all for joining. And um, I did a Facebook question on this and I was really interested in the responses. So I'm gonna share some of that later too. But I wanna start with just sharing a few stats on adult friendships. And it's really interesting. The research is pretty clear about the value of friendships as an adult. Like diet and exercise, they say friendship is related to the quality of your physical health. And loneliness, which is the opposite of friendship and just relationships in general, is related to increased mortality and depression, higher blood pressure, aggressiveness, stress, and decreased sleep quality. So the value, the quality of your friendships actually affects your physical health. One study said that chronic loneliness can actually be what they called lethal. They said it's the equivalent impact of 15 cigarettes a day on your mortality rate. And so I did the math on that, which is about the loss of three hours a day from your life if you don't have quality relationships in your life. We also know that friends provide what they call social buffering. So having a friend has a positive effect on just how they help you reduce stress, deal with the difficulties of life. And they say that friends are more likely than your family to be empathetic and provide more genuine support and encouragement. And I thought, I think that's partly because, you know, in family, you have such complex dynamics historically that can kind of get in the way of that, that you don't always have with friendships. And then my last stat I loved because myself and at least one other person on this podcast turned 50 this year, whose name I won't mention, is that the strength of relationships at 50 actually predicts your health at 80. Oh, wow. I know. So that's not just (laughs) friendships, but just, you know, how strong your relationships are at the age of 50 actually predict how healthy you'll be at the age of 80 because friendships add so much to your physical health and just, you know, daily life basically. So we know it's important. Um, I have some Facebook research as well. So from the question I posted, (laughs) like you like to call it the news of the people, I got some for the news (laughs) of the people, but I'll throw that in as we go through. Uh, So I want to start with the question, like what are the biggest challenges that you all have faced in finding and keeping friends as an adult? So I'm thinking adult, like post-college, you know, because in college, you're all kind of have these common experiences. I think it's a little different, but post-college life, like what's one of the biggest challenges you faced in finding and keeping friends you think as an adult? I think for me, it's the fact that I've moved so often, Um, whether it's moving from college to moving to where I went to grad school, moving where I did my internship to moving to Atlanta, I've had to pick up and start again so many times. And just the idea of cultivating new friendships as you get older, it's just daunting at times. You're like, wow, we're not hanging out at parties. We're not, you know, going to the club anymore. So you have to figure out where am I going to find, you know, a group of people, like-minded people that I want to be friends with. So I think for me, that's been the biggest challenge is just the transience um, over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that you've moved a lot. Mm-hmm. But you know, and even wasn't so I haven't moved a lot, but I still think it's it's a challenge because it's like, you know, what where what are the people, places and things that we do? You know? So when we were in school, obviously we we connected with people who were in college with us or in high school or junior high school with us. But now so much of our time is spent at work and we don't necessarily make that connection with people at work. 
we might make a connection at church or through some other organization. But even still, we haven't had that time to kind of cultivate that relationship like we've had, the three of us have had. And so I'm not necessarily all in like, woo, this is going to be my bestie here, you know? Yeah, it makes a hard time is a big factor. I mean, I didn't even say this at the beginning, but um, so Tasha and I met in middle school doing an enrichment program like we were doing coding or something, right? Like computer coding or something, something like that. on um, Apple II. Well, I was doing that, that but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of Apple IIe computer of that age. <laughs> and then Rosalind and I met the day before we went to college at a mutual friend's party uh, in high school, like the summer after we finished high school and then became great friends, roommates, et cetera, all through college. And then we all became friends together. I think in summers, I was thinking about this college summers, probably because we were all home and we all just hung out and did things together during that time. But to your point, it takes time. Like cultivating friendships actually takes quite a bit of time. So one research study said that it takes about 50 hours of shared contact to move from an acquaintance to a casual friend. And to be a close friend, it takes more than 200 hours of just shared contact, whether that's lunch, work, dinner, but you actually spending time together to become a close friend. So, yeah, I mean, as adults, that's a lot of time to invest and to find in your life to actually make a friend. So, yeah, I think the time factor is definitely a big one. It's also tough because like you, the three of us have a common bond that we've shared for a long time. And so the trust equity that's there is hard to develop in a new relationship. And then you also think, do I really want to put that amount of time? I mean, the hours that Arlene, you just quoted, do I have that amount of time? Do I want to invest that amount of time? And then if I invest from an acquaintance to a casual friend and something happens, then I've wasted all of that time where I'm like, well, despite the fact that we live in different areas of the country, I can just go back to two of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, but but that, but that's that's a real answer because uh-huh. I mean for me when I think about you know even think about this podcast friendships and you know I'm kind of old school with how I define a friend. Mm-hmm. I mean just because I might know a lot of people doesn't mean I have a lot of friends. That that's a very small small circle for me. Mm-hmm. Um because I have invested that time. I I'm, I trust in those folks. I'm I'm vulnerable with those folks. They know more stuff about me probably than I know about myself. Yeah, so that that's real. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how how open I am to be very honest. I am with developing deep friendships like we have. I'm more open to acquaintances and casual friends at this point in my life, and it's just I think also it depends on where you are in your stage of life. So, Arlene, your kid is you're an empty nester at this point. And, you know, I have a two-year-old. So when it comes to looking for friends, I'm looking for the person that has, you know, a two-year-old to bring to the, to bring to the table as well. Because when you ask me, what do you want to do on a Saturday afternoon? Typically I'm going to have my little one in tow, but then I also don't have a lot in common with 25, 30 year olds with two-year-olds. So Mm. looking for the other seasoned mother, that, mm-hmm. you know, and I know one friend I do have here, we literally saw each other at daycare. And we're like, you look like you're about my age. You have a, ki- a baby. You look, okay, we're about to be friends. And that's right. how our friendship started. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I could see that. It was interesting. So on my little Facebook poll, the news of the people, <laughs> you know, two of the things that you all mentioned are two of the things they said was challenging. One was trust. 
that is just harder to trust people as you get older. Part of it is you've probably had experiences now where you've been burned you know, by different people. You have some close contacts. So sometimes we don't feel the need to build contact, you know, to kind of enlarge our friend circle as much. And then there's some research that says, yeah, as we get older, we actually, a lot of us, we trust less <laughs> as we get older. Um, and so we kind of have a wall up a little bit. And so it may be harder for people to penetrate and kind of get connected to us in a real authentic way. So trust was definitely one that came up on the Facebook research. And then life stage was the other one. People were saying that, you know, when you're in college, you're all at the same life stage. You know, most of us, especially if you're living on campus, living what I would call like the prototypical college life, you're on campus, you don't have children, maybe you're working, but nonetheless, you're all kind of focused on the same thing in the same life stage. And so yeah, you kind of are doing the same thing. So you have this easy way of spending a lot of time together. But when you grow older, even though you might be the same age, you could be at completely different life stages. So, and absolutely, because think about it. Let's say we were just meeting each other recently. Mm -hmm. We're all three at different life stages. Arlene, you've been married 24 years, daughter finishing freshman in college. Rosalind, you've been married several years, baby about to turn three. I've never been married, never had children. I can actually retire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we didn't already have all this time in together, would we not necessarily that we wouldn't connect, but would we be as good of friends as we've been over 30 something years if we were just meeting now? That's Yeah. Yeah. It would be harder. I'm not even going to show the side eye that Rosalind and I gave you when you said I can retire. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mention that for those who are listening. I'm glad you're going to let the people see how y'all really treat me. Okay. (laughs) I'm not going to mention that, the the side eye we both gave you when you, when you threw that out there. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad the people of the world can see how I've been treated for the last 30 something years. Go ahead. But, but you're right. Life stage is a big thing. And I tell you, since um, empty nesting and even prior to that, I think once Lauren was in high school, up until then, like so much of my life was just work and marriage, a couple things with church, but, you know, just caring for her and being good support to her took up so much energy. But once she entered high school is when I was like, wait a minute, like I, I have to start creating a new life. I'm, I talked about this with both of you all. I'm like, oh my God, oh, yeah. when she leaves, what am I going to do with myself? And so I told you many times you had to get a life. But exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> I had none. Let's just be clear. Other than family and work, I had none. So that actually forced me, I think, to open up to more friendships. And over the last several years, I've actually invested in new friendships like I really hadn't before because one, I had more time because, you know, once your child's in high school, they need you, but not like they do like Rosalyn, like you have. And also I started to see a new phase of life where I'm like, you know, this is going to be different. I'm going to have more time. So I kind of intentionally started investing more in just spending time with the people I already loved. But, you know, those people that maybe are casual contacts, but not full on friends yet. Like I started investing that just going to more events, showing up at things more, being more support to people because that life stage changed and it just gave me a little more freedom to do so. Um, but we don't always have that. So I, I get that being a challenge. I think it's funny that you said um, like time, you have more time to put in. I know for myself, if I make plans, I have to be very intentional. Um, so a friend of mine from home that recently relocated here, she said, well, let's get together for brunch. I said, okay, so let me be honest. We need to put it on the calendar right now. Because if we say, let's do it, I'm not going to follow through because I will, life happens. And literally from the time I get up to go to work, come home, mommy, wife, go to bed, I'm just happy we all survived at the end of the day. (laughs) 
So if you tell yeah. me, you know, well, let's go out for cocktails at 730 because Jeremy goes down for bed at, you know, seven and you call and cancel, like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right. <laughs> like, girl, I ain't mad at you. Because <laughs> what I really want to do is go home and go to bed. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. It's, you really have to be intentional about mm-hmm. the friendships that you develop. And it's, it's hard. And I know when I moved here, I was under the guise that my husband was supposed to be my friend, my best friend and the only person I hung out with. So I think when I moved to Philadelphia, I was single. I was like, I need to figure out, you know, how this is going to work my social life. But when I moved to Atlanta, I was like, I got you. I'm good. And so I didn't initially uh, Mm -hmm. seek out friends until one day he said to me, don't you have any friends you can do that with? You and my friend, my friend. What are we talking about? And he's like, "Well, Rosalind, I can't be your sole source of entertainment. Why can't you?" (laughs) So I'm confused. After hurting my feelings, I was like, "Yeah, I do need to put a little bit more effort into finding some friendships, our friends uh, that are here, so that I can, um, you know, build some friendships and build some community." around mm-hmm. myself here in a different city so yeah I, I I I experienced that same thing when I moved to South Carolina when we moved to South Carolina because Kelvin was from there I knew a lot of people from there I didn't know anyone had never been to that state before and yeah it was really rough it was kind of lonely I mean I wasn't even working at the time so like I wasn't even bumping into people at work for things and so I was trying to intentionally develop friendships as well and so okay let's say there's some other people at that space where like maybe you don't have you've moved or you've lost, you know, maybe you had really close friends, but you've lost them over whatever health reasons, this pandemic or, you know, whatever has happened, like where and how have you met your close friends as an adult? So like not us, cause we all met in college and, you know, same life stage, but people you've met since then that you would call close friends, like where and how have you met them in this world of adulting? Like where, where and how have you met them? So for me, two places with church sorority. Mm. Yep. I think for me, um, because my work dynamic has changed in terms of the, my colleagues have changed. So work mm. and activities that other people have kids, um, mm. a baby's age. Okay. Like what? Like, tell me, what do you mean by activities? Like? Um, swim class, okay, um, yeah. soccer practice, the mm-hmm. four months he spent in daycare, you just kind of develop, you know, hey, okay, your, your son is in this class. Yeah, okay, my daughter's in this class too. Okay, what's your name? Okay, I'm right. Oh, or even something is similar, like your child has a meltdown out in public and the mother's just like, oh, I oh right. you have a child? Okay, what's your name? Okay, great. So <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, basically that's how, and, and exercise. I like to work out. So I've, I've found mm-hmm. friendships at the gym, but those mm-hmm. are pretty compartmentalized the, the gym friends are pretty mm-hmm. compartmentalized i see you at 5 a.m and i pretty pretty much don't see you anymore but i still count them as a social interaction that i get to i get to yeah yeah i could see that you know it's funny i've met some of our closest friends as i hadn't thought about it until you just said it because now it's been so long since we met but a lot of more lauren's activities as well like going to activities with her and I don't think I was that good about forming friendships, but there were a couple people who reached out to me mm-hmm. like, and I just going back on it, I would have done that more with other people. Like I would have been more intentional on reaching out, but there were, I remember when we were in preschool, when Lauren's in preschool, there was another family and, you know, they were the same age, of course. And actually Lauren and the other little girl 
Abby had the same birthday. So then we automatically started doing parties together. Like we would do, cause you're inviting all the same kids from the school. So we started doing parties together. And when she was like, maybe four, they were like, Hey, do you want to just drop her off for a play date? And I was like, play dates. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about this. Cause we were new in Texas and we hadn't lived here that long. I didn't have many people I knew here. And, uh, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, she had just saved my life. Like this idea that I can drop my child off and have two or three hours, four hours, whatever it is to do whatever. I mean, that was like, oh my God. And then we started doing it for her and that was her first sleepover. So you're right. It's like when you have a chance in groups, whether it's like children's things, you know, like Tasha, you were mentioning sorority or work. If you intentionally make those connections, I feel like that's probably the best place to find friends is like where there's already something bringing you all together, a hobby, work, whatever, sorority, church. I've met a lot of good friends at church, you know, something bringing y'all together. And so, but then it takes the time investment. Like (laughs) I remember our pastor saying that he was like, y'all ain't going to make friends at church. If you show up two minutes after service starts and leave, like the minute it's over, he was like, that's just not how you build community. It takes an investment of your time. Right. But I mean, even with those two avenues of, of, of making new friends through church and sorority, my circle's still really small. <laughs> I mean, really small because like it said, it goes back to, I might know a lot of people and you know how you talked about the different levels of, of connection, but when, to get to that, the, that top level for me, that's still going to be a real, real tight circle. And why is that for you? Like, what's your, what, what is the, what's the reason you, that circle is tight for you? I just think it's not having that, that time invested in it. Like it's, it's just a natural thing for me to trust you all. It's a natural thing for me to be vulnerable with you all. It's a natural thing just to be me as I am with you all. But I don't know everybody like that. I don't know people's intentions. I, you know, I don't, it goes back to that level of trust and, you know, I'm good with the way my life is. I'm good with keeping that circle of the closest people to me very small. I still know a lot of people, but I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things like Natasha was saying, I like, I I'm, I'm very social. I love people. What? Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's one of my favorite qualities about you actually. Yes. Love having people around. I'm like my parents, my dad, anyway, my mom, was not a big social person. She did it because my dad was like, knew everybody and their mom. But yeah. I like to have people around. But when it, like Natasha said, when it comes to the intimacies of friendships, I literally don't, I honestly don't think that there will be any more people in that very closed off circle, if that makes sense. Because if I come to you all um, or Tia or before Tania died, Tania, about something, you kind of already know the background. So I don't, mm-hmm. or if I respond in a certain way, you already know why, because you know my history. Whereas newer friendships, you've got to kind of explain, there's a big learning curve. So they understand why you responded the way you did, other than she might be crazy. No, that's mm-hmm. quite it. She responded because this is how, you know, this this went down 10 years ago, or this is what happened mm-hmm. here. So yeah. there, you don't have to explain as much when the, you know, things of life. And I think that's mm-hmm. helpful. I mean, that's just very mm-hmm. helpful for me anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And that's, I mean, that's a part of like keeping your friends close. Like I was reading, um, there was this book called Big Friendship, and it was talking about these two friends that had maintained their friendship across distance. 
And I was thinking about all of us, like we haven't actually lived in the same city since college, probably. I mean, Tasha and I were kind of in the same city because I I went to grad school not far from where we grew up. But Roslyn, you were already off in Pennsylvania by then. So we really haven't lived in the same city. So they were talking about, but what it took to maintain friendships long distance. And so, you know, that's one thing as I look back, I'm like, God, I'm so glad we invested in that and maintain that. So I think one of this is like when you have a friend or a casual friend that, you know, starts to grow into a close friend, just valuing that a lot and holding on to that because it can have such meaning over your life. I don't know if you think about that when you're young, you know, like when you're 20, you're just having fun. Like you're not thinking, wow, this is going to be a meaningful relationship for the next 30 years. (laughs) You're just having fun. But I was like, there's something to valuing the people that are in your life that you feel a connection with. You know, and I also think that for me, and I thought about this earlier, we are very committed to one another. And so when I think about that, you know, sometimes people that you don't have really established relationship with something happens and you're like, I can walk away from this. Yeah. I deeply know that y'all are not going to walk away from me. So even I don't have to be my, I don't have to be my best self. what you say? We will stalk you. We have before. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to be my best self. And, but I yeah. know that you're still going to love me. You'll, you'll check me when I need to be checked, but you're not going to walk away from me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an investment of time. So, I mean, I think if you find yourself in a place, like, I think we all have really great friendships. And so, you know, sometimes you don't feel the need to build other friendships, but if you do feel the need to build other friendships, then you have to know it's going to take an investment of time and you're going to have to, like, it's really easy that one, this big friendship book was saying that with romantic relationships, we kind of think, oh, they're going to be work. So when a bump comes, we kind of lean in and try to figure out how to work through it. But with friendships, we expect them to be effortless. So when a bump comes, we're like that, you know, you just kind of let the person float away. You don't really invest in it. But the reality is if you want long-term like quality friendships, you actually have to be willing to invest in it and kind of get through some of the bumps. Um, Like you're saying, when someone's not at who's at their best all the time, like if you're real friends, you don't want to have to show up at your best anyway, because that's not real. So yeah, kind of being able to give people grace through that, especially if you're in a place of trying to build friends, because it can be really easy to just, you know, basically write people off every time they do something you don't like uh, as friends, which, oh, I don't need her. Exactly. (laughs) She was getting on my nerves anyway, you know, and just move on with your life. But that's not actually how you build long-term relationships. Like you got to kind of be willing to work through some things. So like you said, you don't have to be your best. So Tasha, next time we all get together, you can come in a holy t-shirt and shorts like me and I. Absolutely not. I have talked to you better than that. (laughs) Yes. So those who don't know, Tasha dresses way better than me and especially when we're all just hanging out. We're like in t-shirts and Tasha, you're like, oh, okay. We need to step up our games. We feel the way we look. We feel good. I believe it. Believe it. We know you do. You know, I I have a quick question for you. Um, When you were talking about investing time in friendships, I realized something too. When we grew up, we didn't have the technology, the connective technology that everyone has now, Mm -hmm. but people are lonelier now than they've ever been. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, when we wanted to connect, it wasn't, let me hop on FaceTime. Let me send you a message on IG. Let me check you out Mm -hmm. on Facebook. It was, hey, you pick up the house phone phone (laughs) and you say, hey, you want to meet me at such and such? Okay. How do you get there? You wrote down the directions. You didn't have a GPS to get you there. Which is why for years I couldn't find your house, (laughs) Ross. Girl, exactly. So, you know, I wonder if 
those of mm. us who grew up during that era have developed stronger the stronger foundations of friendship mm. because I feel that the younger people these days, a lot of their friendships are very superficial. When even when I see them out dining together, they're on their phones, or you know, at a concert, people are on their phones, or you know, have you talked to such and such? Oh yeah, I talked to them on Facebook. I talked to them on IG. Mm-hmm. But that's what. But I was gonna say, one hundred percent of our connection was talking. Like either we were on the phone talking, or we were across from one another. We weren't texting. We weren't doing. Yeah all this other stuff that y'all know I don't do. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a real thing. And I'm guessing even professionally, Rosalind, you probably see it. And I definitely think I saw it just with my daughter and her friends that, yeah, technology is such a distraction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's honestly true for young people, but, and it's true for adults, honestly, it's really easy to get so distracted into (laughs) technology in whatever way that is, whether that's like social media or you know, Netflix binges or whatever. It's just really easy to get distracted into all that and then not spend the time actually with people. Mm -hmm. And you can feel like you're friends, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you know, but in reality, if something really went down, is that someone you're going to call? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like a friend of mine. I'm like, okay, if it really went down, like it has multiple times, like, who am I really going to pick up the phone and call? And who Mm -hmm. do I think will really be there? It's like, if you don't have a group of that people, then it's probably worth getting rid of a lot of distractions and investing the time in actual right. lunches and, you know, meetups and conversations on the phone. Cause you know, a lot of people now don't even like talking on the phone. Truth be told <laughs> a lot. I know. And I have felt that way at times. I've been like, Ugh. like there was probably when I was really busy, there were times I'd barely answered my phone. Like <laughs> maybe if it was y'all or like, you know, my parents or something, but I would barely even answer my phone because I just felt like, I don't have time for that, but that, you know, that's not what you need to do if you're actually trying to build friendships with people. I think the stats that you presented earlier on at the beginning, I think, I wish people were more aware of those stats because I think particularly when you get in the phase, like you were saying, you were super busy with Lauren raising, you know, raising kids or whatever with careers and things. I honestly think friendships are not things we really think about because we're so consumed with everything else, but not realizing, you know, kids are going to leave. Some people are going to retire earlier than others. Um, (laughs) um, Life is going to change. And then what's going to happen? Because while if we think it's difficult establishing friendships in our late 40s, turning into 50, I mean, what does it look like at 60 and 70? You know, that's I mean, that's even tougher where mobility may be limited, access may be limited. So. I think people have to really start putting friendship on their radar and nurturing those friendships um, and really being intentional about creating space for that. But you know, and it's funny that as you're saying that, because I, I feel like I can credit my parents for the things that they taught us when they when we were growing up. You know, we would say, Oh, well, can I go down, run down the mall with my friend Susie? And they're like, I don't know, Susie. Why is Susie your friend? And that's always stuck with me is like, why is why am I calling this person my friend? So that's what I said, you know, I feel like I'm kind of maybe old school in a sense that I just don't call everybody the friend, you know, do I break bread with you? Do I pray with you? Am I vulnerable with you? Have you seen me cry? Have you, well, Rosalind, you know what you did for me for Arlene's wedding, but. (laughs) I I don't even think I know. And it sounds like I don't really want to know on a public podcast. That sounds like like a conversation for a later date. (laughs) <laughs> moving on. Awesome. Yes. We'll tell you later. Okay. So. 
But my parents were the ones that put that thought, planted that seed. Why is it, why am I calling this person my friend? Are they really my friend? And that's just stuck with me for the rest of my life. So let me ask you this then, like how have friendships impacted your work experience or your career? You've now, you know, all of us have had 20 plus year careers in different fields. How do you think friendship has impacted either your work experience or your career? What's been the tie-in between friendship and work for you? I'm a little iffy sometimes about friendships and friendships at work. Um, Arlene and I have talked about this before. I am not the most gung ho. I am always cordial, always friendly, but um, I have always been very clear about work life um, balance. And I have this year, well, in the past few years since I've been here, I have developed some friendships, true friendships with some of my colleagues outside of work where they have been invited into my home. I've been invited into theirs, but it took a while because I needed to be clear that I have to, as Arlene says, I have to bring not just myself, but my best self to work. But when I'm at home, I wanted to make sure I could be relaxed in that space. So I have developed friendships at work, but I've also realized that I have not developed as many cross-cultural friendships outside of work because of that mm. need to kind of take off the mask at home, whereas they may see me in one light at work versus another light at home. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, you know, um, yeah. That actually relates to a research. So I did a, a program one time anyway. It was amazing, a, a women's leadership program. But they talked about that culturally. So the African-American community, the Latino community, Um, Latinx community that a lot of times we're taught growing up to kind of keep things separate, to keep your work and your personal life separate. Mm -hmm. We're often also taught um, kind of like business stays at home, like don't put your business in the street kind of a thing. Like, and so some of us have real different ways of operating sometimes even personally at work, et cetera. And we kind of have a divide. And what this program was challenging us on was that that's not necessarily the broader American culture. And that as you're trying to move up, what people want to do is they want to know you, they want to trust you. And so they were asking us questions about, okay, if you call someone at work, a friend, like you were saying, like one of the tests is, has that person ever been to your home or have you ever been to theirs? Like, like how deep are these relationships you're actually forming with people at work? Because um, yeah, it's kind of levels to it. Like there's a work friend and then there's a friend that is at work, like as a real friend, but I met him at work. Those are really different things than just work friends necessarily, but they said culturally, we approach it sometimes really differently because we were kind of taught to, to separate. Tasha, how do you handle that though? Cause you're in a supervisory position. Well, I was just about, I was going to talk yeah. on that because I'm like you, Rosalind, I've always been very iffy, but for me, I will say, like you said, kind of that level of the work friends. I do have some of those, as I was just thinking about it, I don't think any of them have ever been in my home. I don't think I've been in their homes, but because we spend so much time together and because we do talk so much, you get to know about each other's families. And yeah, I was just earlier, I called one of, um, so ladies at work, she's teleworking or I knew her daughter wasn't feeling well. And I called her, I was like, how's my baby feeling? And, you know, so it's, those are the connections you make. And even that same person, because I know that we have similar beliefs as far as faith, you know, it's not uncommon for her to say, hey, can you keep so-and-so in prayer for me? Or for me to say, can you keep me in prayer? And part of it was in some sense, making myself vulnerable to share things, um, but not as vulnerable as it would be with you all. 
So yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, it's, I've been iffy on that, that work friendship thing, but I, I feel like I've come a long ways from when I started though. And you all are both in really different settings too. Like certainly Tasha in the supervisory realm and just the work that you do. Rosalind, you as well, because uh, you're dealing with such sensitive topics. I don't know if in corporate it's different. Like I, some of my really good friends are absolutely work friends. And I feel like in a corporate environment, it's almost necessary for survival to a certain extent. <laughs> like you deal with such complex politics that you're navigating all the time. And I know politics are in every environment as well. But like, I look back at promotions I had or just some of the most difficult circumstances I had. I don't think I could have navigated them well without some of the people that are actual friends of mine, like people that I still like, I don't work in corporate anymore per se, you know, now I'm in my own thing, but like, those are still friend, friends, like friend, friend, friends, because we went through some very difficult scenarios, challenging scenarios. I feel like in a corporate environment, you almost, you need friends. not only do you want, not only do you build friends, but you need friends to a certain extent. But I don't know, that may be just the uniqueness of that environment as well. But some of the some of the really good friends I've made later in life have actually absolutely come from my work environment, for sure. Now, I'm really interested in the um, differences in friendships in corporate America versus in other entities. Um, I think it's personally, I think it's fascinating because I have so much interest in like diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging mm-hmm. and particularly for um, people of color. How and, you know, like you said earlier, we've been kind of it's been ingrained in us mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind of keep things separate. But I wonder, um, as you develop those corporate French friendships, you know, I wonder how, if you, if you polled both persons, like say they're, they're cross-cultural friendships. Yeah. If, if you polled both individuals and they call each other friends, how would they really perceive that the authenticity of those friendships based upon their cultural backgrounds. Because I would be willing to think that for people, many people of color, they do, they may not be as authentic as their mainstream counterparts may believe, because I still feel like I do have several cross, I have a lot, a few cross-cultural friends like mm-hmm. that I, well, no, that's not true. I have one in my circle, one cross-cultural friendship in my circle. But I remember early on, she asked me, and I, I was thankful she asked me, she said, Rosalind, you sound so different when we are in class, then you do when I hear you on the phone at mm. your house or, you know, with your friends. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to explain it to her. Code switching. <laughs> yeah. yep. I can code switch with the best of them. Uh-huh. And so she didn't understand that. So it took some time for us to understand the um, like cultural differences. I mean, when I look at Marcy and I, to me, we are the same person. I'm just black. She's white. I'm Christian. She's Jewish. I'm tall. She's short. She lives in the Northeast. I live in the Southeast. But fundamentally, we're the same person. Yeah. And it took years to develop that with some questions and, you know, bumps and bruises going along and how you navigate that in a work setting because sometimes it's not always peachy keen when you have to say, you know what? Hey, I love you, but your kids can't call me by my first name ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is real. And I feel like that's been one, I think, blessing of work for me is that's where I've met, like most of my friends that are cross-cultural, like different race, ethnicity, religion, et cetera. I've met them through work. And you're right. Those always come with like some sticky conversation, you know, like I've, 
I've had friends call me, especially when everything happened with George Floyd and all those things, like call me and be like, oh my God, what's this experience like for you? Like it's gotten into some, yeah, I would call really sticky situations. I've been in meetings, you know, where like maybe I was the most senior person, but they thought someone who was my friend who happened to be a white male was the most senior. And he and I talked about it after, like, so it does get you into really sticky conversations, but to hold on to them as friends, you're right. You have to kind of be willing to, to have those conversations yeah, and almost have conversations. Yeah. enjoy the conversation to a certain extent in terms of what you can learn. Because I agree when you get into cross-cultural friendships, which has been honestly a huge blessing for me, mm-hmm. but it requires a different level of vulnerability so that they really know the real you and not the you you bring to work every day, which over time, honestly, those have gotten way closer for me now. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I've just gotten to the point where I think I, and I've heard a lot of people say this, where it's like, forget it. I'm done with like, I'm done with code switching. Basically, you know, it's like, I'm done with all that. So it makes it easier for me, but still, even before when I think I was doing more kind of switching up based on environment, we had some very, you know, very interesting, deep, sticky conversations like about, you know, yeah. like one of my friends called me the other day and she was like, so I was talking to my son she was like, is black or African-American preferred? And I was like, we had this really long conversation. I was like, well, it depends on who you ask. Let me tell you what I know, you know, but you have to be willing to have what other people could consider weird or sticky conversations and be okay mm-hmm. with it. But that's where I've met a lot of my cross-cultural friends. And that's been a, a blessing for sure. I think at this stage in life, that's where you do typically meet your cross-cultural friends, except in our community now with, with the, having a little then oh I yeah mean, like, you're right that's the other way cross-cultural you know yeah no like, for me that definitely is because when I think about my life outside of work it's still very much you know church or sorority you know so let me ask you all this what are some things that you think have kept either our friendship growing or any other tip you have on just maintaining adult friendships so you've started one maybe it's growing maybe it's actually become a real friend but what tips do you have on maintaining friendships that maybe you've created connection yeah just touch points mm. touch points if i haven't heard from you all in like a week yeah. what you doing <laughs> cool okay yeah. yeah let's let's be real i do that i sometimes will do that for a few hours like if i text and it's like like we'll be on a text and we'll text yeah. rosa maybe you and i are texting and we don't hear from tasha it's like what's she doing we have like, it's been like <laughs> four hours let me explain to the world that i can i can leave my phone and come back and there's 25 messages between the two of you and it's just too difficult to catch up with the conversation that's why yes but we do often wonder it's like what's she doing she can't respond to a text message in the last two hours <laughs> So you're right. There is a level of connection required. Yeah. But you know, what's weird. And even as I'm about to say this, um, it's, um, is that even though we've talked about being intentional, I also feel like I don't have to put a whole lot of effort to stay connected to you. And when I say, I don't mean like I'm trying to be lazy or anything. It's just, it is, it comes naturally. And I don't know if that's because we have that time that's invested. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's not like, I'm like, Oh God, how can I be a better friend to Arlene? No, I am what I am. Arlene is what she is. And it works for us. Yeah, you probably do get to a glide path. There's probably a point of friendship after which it's like, okay, we're on a glide path now. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like you've invested enough. You're close enough. You have enough reasons to connect even because you know enough about what's going on in each other's lives that you know if something's going on. Oh, I haven't heard from them about this or that. So yeah, I agree. There's probably an investment point and then like a, a leveling off where it doesn't feel like it anymore because it's just, 
integrated into literally how you live your life. So it's no longer like something extra you're doing like you do when you're making new friendships. Yeah. So I guess now that we're X years old, <laughs> what do you wish you knew Go at ahead 30? And say it. <laughs> Don't you dare. Say it loud. Don't you dare. I said what I said, X years old. Uh, <laughs> what do you wish you knew at 30 or, or kind of 25, those post-college years about adult friendships? Like what, what do you wish you knew then that might've helped you be in a good place now in terms of your friendships? What do you think you wish you knew? say um that the ant that the um saying um people are in your life for a reason season or a lifetime is true mm-hmm. and being okay with that and also understanding that you know there are um spheres of friendship like people who are like tasha calls you know her associates and then they're your inner then you know people who are kind of on a perimeter and then there's your inner circle and also realizing that you may have to move people in and out of those spheres and being okay with that movement. Mm-hmm. Because um, once you've learned a lesson, you know, you may have to reevaluate where someone someone's position in your life is and understanding that you need to deal with it and move forward and understand it's really a season, a reason, a season in a lifetime mm-hmm. or yeah. a lifetime. And I think for me, and I just just because as we're getting older, you know, the younger versions of ourselves, I mean, I think we valued our friendships, but as we live life more and experience more, and as we are getting older and having different experiences in life, especially those really difficult ones, that we have our friends that we know um, are going to hold us up during those times. I mean, I, I think for me, it's probably two things. One is the, I mean, actually comes from the scripture, but iron sharpens iron and Kelvin's grandmother used to always say, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are (laughs) because like the people in your circle will have an impact on you. Like they're, you know, who you allow in your inner circle, their values, their character, their goals, how they want to live their life. Like all of that will have an impact on you. So I think one thing is to be, I've been really fortunate to have really sharp people like yourselves in my life, like iron sharpening iron. But I think just recognizing that and being willing to create a circle of friends that are good for you and you can be good for them. They can serve you and you can serve them. So there's, your friends have more impact on us. And I think we, I probably knew as a young person, um, how much impact they actually have on who you are as a person, like what you choose to do, how you approach life. So I think knowing that, I wish I'd known that. Um, cause I think that's really true. And then my second thing is just forgiveness and grace. Like, I think it's so easy to like, especially with friends because they are choices you make, you make a choice on who a friend is. It's not like family where you just have to work with them or even a coworker where you have to work with them. You get to make a choice. So it's really easy to just walk away from friendships. Like the first time someone does something you don't like. So I think I would tell myself, you know, be more forgiving, offer more grace. They used to always say untie instead of break, like don't break friendships, untie it. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying, Rosalind, maybe they move from inner circle to associate for a while or whatever, but just, you know, have more grace in friendships, Um, not expect them to be effortless and perfect because that's just, that's not realistic in any relationship, (laughs) whether that's your uh, life partner, romantic relationship, uh, parental, I mean, any, any relationship perfection is just not realistic. So just operating with more forgiveness, more grace, make sure I don't break things, just kind of untie them if need be being more gentle with people, I guess. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let me ask you all this. This is the lightning round. This is the last question. And this is just so people can get to know you better in general. So these aren't necessarily related to friendships, but just, you know, how do you find your purpose, love your job, enjoy your life in general? So the first question is, what is the most unique job you've had? And um, Rosalind, I'll start with you. I was a behind the wheel instructor for people who were learning to get their driver's license. Were you? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When was this? I didn't even know this. My I mean, she was there like this long. My, well. It was my senior year in high school. My dad got me the job at Todd Stadium. So I was in the car with the students and I had the extra break on my side and they had to drive around. And then I would tell them to like go through the cones and do this. And I got to score them. Yep. Oh, I love that. I wish I'd known that when Lauren was driving. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. This is on a closed course. Extra, <laughs> extra break. This, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. know that that's an amazing okay. job to have as a high school student that's a lot of responsibility I know that I love that yeah. Tasha what about you what's the most unique job you've had you know I haven't had a lot of jobs so yeah I, I would have to say the one that I have now my career now um, who would have thought I'd be working with criminals right <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes working with criminals carrying a gun who would have thunk it <laughs> Exactly. It's very unique. Okay. Second question. What is one thing you do consistently to enjoy your life? Like what's one thing you do to just enjoy your life consistently? You know, oh, this might sound a little strange. Listen to music. I love music. I love the beauty of music, how it makes me feel. And so that is one thing that I consistently do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you go to concerts too. Like I don't go to yeah. that many, but you go to concerts and yeah. yeah. Okay. I just, I love, like I said, I love the space that music puts me in just the beauty of creating that music and, and putting those sounds together and just how it makes you feel. Hmm. I love that. Okay. Rosalind, what about you? I guess mine's more aggressive, uh, probably working out. Like I, that's my thing. Why am I not surprised? But, it, and honestly, it's the only time that I really have to myself before the, before the two men get up and I'm in the gym, out of the gym. And that's the only space that I have that I can do something for me. After that is people asking me, can you get, I need, show me where it is, play yeah. with me. So, yeah. and you've been consistent on that for years. You're like my role model. And as I try to work out more, so yeah. Okay. I love that. Um, cause well, a lot of people think of working out as a chore. I think it's interesting that you oh, think yeah. of it as like something you do to enjoy your life like that. It is. Yeah. And you know what, honestly, Arlene, part of it too, is that I'm trying to outrun any, any of the hereditary illnesses that can come because I am older with a two-year-old. So I owe it to myself and to him to be able to keep up. Mm -hmm. That's very intentional. I love that. Love that. Okay. Now, I know it's your podcast, Arlene, but what's your answer to that? Yeah. Gosh, uh, what I would probably say, I know this is going to sound like I'm just trying to do it for the podcast, but really I would say spending time with friends. Like I cannot tell you how much that really like reduces stress for me, adds joy. So like lunches, dinners, meet for coffees, you know, like if someone's getting an award, I like to show up and be there. So, I mean, that really adds a lot of joy for me, getting to connect with people just outside of the responsibilities, you know, of day to day. Yeah, I do that pretty consistently. You send them calendar invites for those activities? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them I do. I'm notorious for calendar invites for those listening. <laughs> if I'm coming to your house for a weekend, you're getting a calendar invite. So when I show up my bags, I don't want any nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> 
boy. That's oh. how I show up on time for all these events. So yes, I, I'm a fan of a calendar invite. Okay. Um, what is one career, business, or life hack you've learned? Can be anything. So like one, you know, key to success or life hack, career, business, anything that you've learned. Um, Rosalind, what, what would you say? You are not, for work, it would be you are not indispensable. I had to realize that if I drop dead tomorrow, mm-hmm. work will continue on. Mm-hmm. They will find my replacement. They will ask who, what clients I have on my caseload and they will fill my position and move forward. So, you know, I I used to take a lot of work home. I used to take a lot of, you know, have a lot of extra stuff. But now I realize that, that, you know, my kid is not going to remember that mommy had to do all of these uh, psychological reports at home. They're going to remember that mommy put me down for night, night time, or did she come to my soccer game? Or, you know, did I spend time with people that I love? So I try, honestly, my, my hack is to try to leave work at work as much as I can. Mm-hmm. to leave work yeah. at work. Yeah. And then that rejuvenates you for the next day too. You know, you don't go exactly. in the next day quite as like worn out from the day before. Exactly. Yeah. And my old pastor said something one day that really resonated with me. He said, if you think you are indispensable at work, try to die. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give myself a little okay. reality check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Tasha, what's yours? For me, it's a quote that I kind of, say that was my my compass for life and it's Dr. Myangelo. I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and to be able to say that at work is in I mean, yeah, that's important cuz not everyone I'm sure we've all worked with people, not everyone lives by that for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, even and I say that's that's kind of like for guides me for life because I mean, I want to treat I know that I have different relationships with people at work. But still at the core of how I want to treat people, it stays the same. Yeah, that's true. And you invest a lot of time in that, in treating people well. You're sweet with gifts and notes of thanks. And yeah, you invest a lot of time in that, letting people know how you feel about them. So I could see that. I just want to be a better person, Tasha. You really do. Really like seriously, we talk about I just don't make y'all want to put on um, good clothes in the house, right? That that that. Not that, but yes, a better <laughs> person. I think I remember saying that one time to Tasha. I was like, oh my God, you really like, feed the hungry and like she really spent invests a lot of time in caring for other people visiting the sick I mean like a lot of us talk about that but you really do that so I can absolutely see that being that something you live by because that shows up in your life for sure yeah, okay. I remember one time telling you my somebody was in the hospital you're like okay what's the room number I'm on my way I'm like wait 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 I'm not there yet we haven't gotten a room yet you're like okay well do that. I was like yes that's real that but is yeah real. that is you that is 100% you that is real so thank you all for joining. I really appreciate your time during your busy days and um, also your bravery, as I mentioned. And <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to today's podcast. Um, Rosalind, let them know where they can find you online on Instagram or how could they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Roz on Instagram. And I think it's Dr. Underscore Roz on Twitter. Love to hear from you. Okay, great. And we'll put those in, uh, we'll put your handles in the show notes as well. You can find me on Instagram as well. Arlene underscore pace underscore green. I've got to come up with a catchier handle, (laughs) but I would love to hear from you, get your thoughts, get connected, hear what you're thinking about in terms of your adult friendships. And Tasha, I know they're not going to find you online. I was going to say, they're not going to ask me where they can find me. I'm feeling left out. If you want to find me, contact Arlene or Rosalyn. (laughs) If you want to find Natasha, contact myself or Rosalyn and we'll get you connected. Or her mother, because her mother has social media. (laughs) Her mother. 
mom. Right. But Natasha is intentionally not online, which honestly, I have a lot of jealousy for in many ways. But anyway, that's why I didn't mention it. I was going to just let it walk by. Please let the people know they can find me. Okay. <laughs> they can find you. It's just in uncommon means, right? Reach you don't out want to find her at her job. <laughs> Reach out don't. to me, Rosalind, or her mom. You don't want to find her at her job. Um, so thank you all so much for joining. We appreciate you joining today's podcast and be well. If you love this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You're also invited to join my private email group where I share tips, resources, freebies, and ideas to help you love your job and grow your business. Click join the crew in the show notes.